0: Good discussions. Um, we're, uh, I'll remind you that the, the microphone's over there. When you go up to ask a question, state your name and uh, and ask your questions succinctly. I have told Trudy I'm going to uh, uh, talk to people, challenge people who are pontificating. So uh, don't pontificate, please. Uh <laughs> yeah yeah you know what it means <laughs> okay um uh we had a very interesting discussions at uh at our table so some of these uh other information that trudy has at our fingertips uh i'm sure will come out and uh, either from your questions or from some comments she makes so i will ask trudy to come forward and uh yeah, good there's people going to the mics already
1: Okay, I'll do my best here. There was one question someone asked. Were there countries where people considered having a truth commission and decided not to? Yes, at least two, Northern Ireland and Rwanda. Okay, give me some more questions here.
2: Thanks very much. My name's Austin Fennell, and thanks a lot for your address. I wonder whether the two things that the federal government did have preempted the Truth Commission, their payment to people who have submitted claims for abuse, and also the federal apology that was made.
1: I don't think these things have um, preempted the Truth Commission. In, an, in ideal circumstances, they would supplement the Truth Commission. Um, the apology, uh, certainly. I think uh, a public apology, in my opinion, is a generally a desirable and worthy undertaking and I also would support some forms of compensation payments but I think um, the whole notion of exploring the broader truth about what individuals went through, who was running the schools, what sorts of things happened, why they happened. There's even an issue of children who never emerged from the schools. The missing children problem. These children may be dead. They may have run away from the schools and not reappeared at any point. I think there are many questions of understanding and healing that are not dealt with by either a public apology or compensation. So I I would argue that those things have not preempted a truth commission.
3: Thank you very much for your talk. I'm Bev Mundell-Atherstone, and I think you were one of our SACPA judges on campus when we had the You're right. Yeah, thank you very much for doing that. Um, I was very interested when you were talking about one of the disclaimers that we can't settle some of the issues by giving back, such as land, because we're a settler society. And um, I know that there are many land... Claims under dispute right now in the courts for various of the of the indigenous peoples' societies. So I just wonder how you um, how you decide um, what is okay to have been settled and what is not okay um, in terms of yeah. land. Is that is that part of your well? Landage? I'm not
1: sufficiently knowledgeable about treaties between. Governments in Canada and Aboriginal people. So I'll just confess, I don't fully have enough information to answer your question. I think this is the kind of question that um, points to the issue of what is the mandate of a given truth commission. So this truth commission is mandated to study the conditions in suffering in, institutionalization of, etc., residential schools in particular. So it is not mandated to explore other issues like um, treaties, delays in negotiating, relocations of Aboriginal persons or other issues. Um, Those are profoundly important. And I think among some Aboriginal people who would criticize this Truth Commission, they would say, this mandate is too narrow. Why did residential schools exist? Why did people believe that it was important to assimilate the Aboriginal population? Uh, what, you know, what were the background conditions of this? Now, those would bring in land issues, but the specific mandate of the commission does not address that. And, I mean, I'm sure there are many people who are, would be good at answering your question, but I'm afraid I'm not one of them. Thanks.
2: Thank you very much for your address. Uh, My name is Van Christou. Um, At our table, we wondered about the time frame of these truth commissions. How long have they been functioning? And uh, have they been functioning long enough for, in your opinion, to have an effect, uh, a beneficial effect, hopefully, on historians in steering them in the right direction? As we all know, history has very often gone off in uh, in, te- uh, in terrible tangents uh, of, of mistruths, and uh, has there been enough experience for that to be corrected?
1: Well, I, I don't um, know for sure, but let me make uh, a guess at that. I think these commissions have been around since the 50s and 60s. I think that the study of history. When I studied history, people really liked to talk about wars. It was one of the reasons I stopped studying it. Um, it the, anyway, uh, the University of Alberta was very behind on that score because since at least the 30s and 40s, social history has been an extremely prominent part of history. And so I think, in in accordance, if if one is studying social history, that you know the condition of indigenous groups, the, the traditions of, of education, the hiring of staff in key social institutions, all of these would be important topics for the, the study of social history, which is a, a huge part of the study of history nowadays. And I would think that um, the South African report... Well, I've heard academics commenting on the South African report, and I would hope that um, our report would also be an excellent document and historical source. Uh, we don't know that, of course, because we don't have our report. But uh, let's hope that it w- these things would be taken seriously. I mean, as a historian, it would be folly to ignore you know, archives and so on with documentation of experience by thousands upon thousands of people. I mean, I can't imagine that a serious historian would want to do that.
4: Hi. <clears throat> My name is Henning Mundel. Are there any of these truth, com- truth commissions that you are aware of that after their report is done and uh, presumably things are implemented that the countries have set up an evaluating, uh, evaluation system on the effectiveness of the outcome of following the Truth Commission and can then one country learn from another to the extent that... There are parallels?
1: Well, I think um, the answer to the first part of your question is probably no. But the answer to the second part is probably yes, because this International Center for Transitional Justice and a whole group of scholars who study transitional justice lawyers, political scientists, sociologists, anthropologists, even a few philosophers, although we're not numerous um, these people do actually study these patterns and and various things that go wrong and subject suggest additions and subtractions. I think the South African one is widely discussed in the society. One of the big problems you get I think is you have some social condition in your society. Say you have widespread rape or widespread car hijacking and you had a TRC 10 years before and you can somebody can say well what's the relationship between this TRC and this crime rate and it's really it's really hard to know i mean it has even been argued by some analysts that since they had amnesty in with the south african TRC that made people think they could commit a bunch of crimes and get away with it so some people have argued that you know there's a cause effect relation there and it 's a negative for the TRC i mean i 'm not a social scientist, but I think I know enough to know it would be awfully hard to trace a, a link there given all the other myriad number of things that are going on in a given society right now one problem I meant to mention, which w- this will surprise nobody here um, is that often these reports contain excellent recommendations which are not implemented. And in Peru, I read a a summary, an English translation and summary of the Peru Truth Commission report. Fantastic document. And they had really expert people helping with that. And they have a a museum in Lima about the uh, struggle with the shining path and so on, the civil war in Peru. Those recommendations were simply not implemented. And that's a huge fear. So before you could study the effects of their implementation, you would actually have to implement them, which which would be a pretty good idea. And let's hope we can get there someday.
4: My name is Frank Toth. You are about the most complete speaker that we've heard for a long time. Thank you very much. Well, thank uh, you for you saying refer, that. You refer, you refer naturally to our Canadian what, what do you call them, truth and consequence think <laughs> it's a whitewash really isn't it it's too bad we are amiss that the notice of this meeting didn't go to our our brothers at the, at the tribal place with w- directly affected by this vital vital cause this okay uh, I, I just want your opinion on say uh, our alberta situation now where a premier Denies any wrongdoing whatsoever. It's so blatant. Uh, what, what do you think? How I, how can you do with a uh, you know a, a mid- minority majority government like federal and provincial to, to cause an erection of a of a, a truth and consequence uh, situation?
1: Well, I'll I'll do my best on that. I think it's extremely difficult for people as individuals and as group members and as leaders of groups to acknowledge wrongdoing. And when the wrongdoing is serious and sustained, sustained, it's more difficult. And when somebody advises you, you might get into a lawsuit, it's even more difficult. It seems to me, however, that it's exceedingly important. Now, I think personally, I, maybe I'm missing a few neurons here. I personally don't think it should be so hard to acknowledge wrongdoing. I mean, it is a human thing. You know, we make actually mistakes, and we commit moral wrongs, and this is well known, and especially if you consider different ideals and norms and social practices over decades and centuries, and you consider that, you know, hundreds and thousands of agents are involved, directed by hundreds of other agents working under, you know, theistic ideologies and, and various other, you know, racist norms and so on. It is not at all surprising that serious things should go wrong. And I believe that acknowledging this is very important for leaders and in our textbooks. And I think that even the government of Mr. Stephen Harper, which is not a government I'm particularly enthused about, but I think they did go some direction in this, toward this, with this apology. So my hope would be that um, that would persist. I think that authoritative reports and the work of historians can contribute to public acknowledgement and I would hope it would contribute to teaching and textbooks. And that's only a partial answer to your question. Um, I can't claim to have spoken to any Aboriginal groups on this topic um, and I think they get, they're well equipped to speak for themselves. But I I, I did have... A minor little success in that a book I wrote was taken by one of my Aboriginal students to the blood reserve, and he claimed that it was in hot demand. So let's um, take his word for it. Uh,
4: Terry Shellington, thank you very much uh, for your presentation. Um, I have a meandering uh, clutch of questions, although I know we have a very tough moderator here, so I won't be... You you do, so you better watch it. Yes. Um... (laughs) I I recall from personal experience and my reading as well, uh, comments that in both Austria and France, the level of compromise with the Nazis was so uh, endemic and also um, had not been looked at as as the compromises in Germany have been looked at. Um, Has there been any discussion about uh, a TRC in, a, in in both those around the Second World War. And the, a related question is, have Americans looked at this tool as a way of looking at racism, or yeah. would they know where to begin and end? So well, and
1: that's a really interesting question. I don't have any relevant facts about France or Austria. I think you're correct in your statement that they haven't Um, in general, had a public examination of collaboration issues during World War II. I can say something about the United States. Um, Believe it or not, the United States did have a truth commission. It was very localized. It was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And various authors and so on do um, allude to it, and it did concern racism and slavery issues. Um, I think... uh, there wouldn't be a thrust for the U.S. to have a commission on that issue now. um, After George W. Bush left the presidency, there were people who argued that there should be a truth commission on issues such as the Iraq war under Bush. And as I understand it, Obama was not in favor of that because of its um, potential divisiveness. So with, um, with race and slavery, as an outsider, one comment I would make is that there are millions upon millions upon millions who are the descendants both of slaves and of slave owners, and Michelle Obama is one of them. Um, It would be really hard to, I mean, you could have a general just set of deliberations, but to identify Affiliates of perpetrator groups and affiliates of victim groups in that context would be a very tricky matter. I mean, if they were ever to wish to do this, um, they would have to adjust a mandate carefully to their particular circumstances.
2: Hello, uh, my name is Tad Mitzi. Thank you, Trudy, for your presentation. Uh, Before I ask question, I would like uh, all of you to join me congratulating Trudy for receiving the teaching award uh, of the best professor in Alberta this year. It's quite an honor to have you here, Trudy. My question is, how long do you have to go back to deal with problems of a past wrong uh, in terms of uh, uh, injustice committed against one race. I remember at the time when Japanese Canadians demanded apologies and compensation to Mr. Trudeau, Trudeau said, we can't deal with the past mistake happened 40 years ago. But 10 years after, uh, I'm not in favor of Mr. Whoever came after Trudeau. <laughs> the uh,
1: unmentionable <laughs> <laughs> He
2: compensated Japanese Canadians after fifty years of wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now uh, there are many places in the world I'm sure. One example is Ainu's in Japan. In one hundred years in the past, Ainu's were a dominant race in Japanese archipelago. It's almost extinct. There are only 500 pure Ainu's in Hokkaido. Intimidation, uh, trampling on their dignity, etc. Et Same thing happening to our First Nations people. Only 100 years, but Japanese government denies it. Same so things happening. So your question, about Tad, is how long should we go back to deal with such problems?
1: Well, that's um, a wonderful theoretical question. Um, I think the answer to it, my answer to it, would be fairly pragmatic. If you have... Um, present-day problems and resentments and grievances and conflicts in your society that relate directly back to some past event, that would be a reason to, trying to, to try to deal with it. Well, let me just tell you a small, light little story in response to this. And a few years ago, I and a colleague Um, worked on the topic of public apology. And we were were looking at this, and a news story came to our attention describing some people who had decided that they were going to walk from Western Europe to the Middle East, and they were going to have notes in Arabic and several other languages, and they were going to meet people in the streets in the Middle East and apologize for the Crusades. And so this story had actually been written up somewhat humorously. I think it was in a Scottish journal called The Scotsman. And as some, a chap who used to work on apology kindly gave us his files. And here in his files was this story. So, I mean, that just seemed really absurd, right? Because we're talking about the 12th, the 13th century. Well, anyway, then, you know, September 11th happens and George W. Bush makes a reference to crusade and people get really hot under the collar about this. and it's a, It turns out to be a very adverse political move. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, these people were a little odd walking from Western Europe to the Middle East to apologize for the cr- Crusades. But, I mean, the response to President Bush's remarks um, indicates that maybe that wasn't a completely irrelevant thing to do. They were, of course, unofficial. I mean, they, didn't, they weren't representing any organized state or body, but that—that um, that was their initiative. And when you consider subsequent events in terms of a sense on the part of some Muslims that they have been humiliated by the West and so on, and you look at that and think, okay, well, maybe they had some kind of point there.
2: Uh, <clears throat> I'm Avetanis from Pechibile. Thank you for your presentation. It appears that under the Truth Commission, the wrong you do, the consequences of the wrong you do is forgiveness. Now, be that as it may, do you know of any Truth Commission where the identity is not hidden? Or is every Truth Commission that way, or is it just in Canada?
1: Well, I don't think it's a universal norm of Truth Commissions that one ought to forgive. I doubt that there would be any truth commission anywhere that would be opposed to it. I mean, if if you were a country running a truth commission because you had many citizens who had a sense of grievance and resentment against their former enemies, I think that if you had personal and publicized forgiveness, you would be grateful for this, because it would be suggesting that enemies, former enemies, were able to come together. It's not commonly urged that victims, quote, ought to forgive, or they have an obligation to forgive. Archbishop Tutu did have that motivation, and he did express it a lot, and he has a book arguing the point called No Future Without Forgiveness. Um, It was urged also in Sierra Leone a lot because the uh, reverend who was in charge of their truth commission was trying to emulate um, Tutu. And there, what I've understood from some commentators is people felt the government was ordering them to forgive and the church was ordering them to forgive, so they'd go around sort of mouthing it without being too serious about it. Um, Obviously, I don't think that's desirable. But the relationship between forgiveness and political reconciliation is a contested topic. I I think the consensus now would be no person should try to direct any other person to forgive. Yes, it's it's nice if you can do it, and it'll make a positive contribution, but it's not anything that anyone should be pressed or directed uh, to do.
0: Trudy, um, we had some interesting discussion at our table, and and some things uh, I wondered if you'd share with the group. You talked about uh, the uh, the Canadian uh, TRC, and that there has been uh, three large public uh, uh, forums held, but also some smaller ones. Could you give us a little bit, share with the group a little oh bit about sure. that? And
1: yeah, thank you. I'll do my best on that. This In the mandate of the Canadian TRC, it specifies that this, uh, the commission should hold seven um, public events, and I think we can read by public, major public events, and uh, within the term of its mandate. The mandate is due to end in July 2014. The, the commission has held three of these events. The first was in Winnipeg. The second was in Halifax. The third was in Inuvik. And they plan to hold uh, four more, which would be in Alberta, Saskatchewan, B.C., and also um, something in Quebec. So... Uh, Those are are large-scale events. I think the one in Winnipeg was estimated to have the participation of some 10,000 people, many of whom had actually traveled to Winnipeg. Now, in addition, there are many more localized community events, and someone was asking, have there been events um, in or near Lethbridge? I'm sure the answer to that would be yes, but I don't, don't know the details. So the community events would be smaller. I mean, you can imagine if you felt seriously traumatized or embarrassed about what you had been through, it would be maybe a lot less frightening uh, and intimidating to go to a very local event rather than to go to a national event.
0: Thank you. Uh, uh, Any other questions? Uh, Because I have some, but I didn't want to preempt if there's other people. Uh, as a retired clinical social worker, I was sharing with you that uh, I worked with Aboriginal people, and, and including with some of the uh, people who had been residential school survivors. And uh, of course, the um, some of the implications for them were were um, a lot of anger and um, alcoholism, uh, abuse, and also suicide. Suicide. And uh, uh, what are what would your hopes be for? for the reconciliation uh, here in Canada for the the Aboriginal people who are going through this?
1: Well, I think it's really tough, and I think this is an area where we shouldn't um, carry out... We shouldn't have too high hopes. Uh, My hope would be that uh, we would have acknowledgement from the broader community that these things were gone through by... Tens of thousands of people, and that they have affected their lives to this day. That we would have um, non-racist and um, you know more inclusive norms um, expressed in our education system and certainly in our textbooks. I think this is a huge aspect of Canadian social history, and I think uh, personally that social history is a very important and fascinating thing so um, I mean i I would not be totally pessimistic about this this Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There are struggles, as I mentioned, just the other day um, they 're taking the federal government to court because to the Supreme Court of Canada because of failure to access irrelevant records, and um, there have been other administrative struggles, so it 's not um, trouble-free i heard justice murray sinclair give a talk and a couple of years ago i was extremely impressed so i'm i'm really hoping that positive things will come out of it whether we will get a full reconciliation is very hard to say i mean reconciliation is kind of a vague abstract term so you have to really spell out you know what are you what are you meaning by this And we're hoping that the report won't
0: be just buried with some other reports. We are
1: indeed hoping, yes. That's right.
0: Well, thank you very much, Trudy. You certainly uh, filled many of my questions. So thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having
0: me.